0: To visit a place is to constantly explore. To live in a place is to constantly return. Well, you can see a million miles tonight, but you can't get very far. Oh, you can see a million miles tonight, but you can't get very far. Hey Misses Potter, I won't touch. And hey, misses Potter, it's not much, but hey, misses Potter, won't you talk to me? Hello, fellow Powderhounds, and welcome to the Powderhounds Podcast, a ski trivia game podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Shaw. Well, the calendar has turned to April and the ski season is ramping up. Yeah, if you are Jay Peak in Vermont, that is. A foot of snow on Thursday actually allowed them to increase the number of trails opened this weekend, April 17th and 18th. Love it. With most winter operations shuttered for the season, industry professionals across the country proclaimed the season a success. No widespread shutdowns, tailgating was celebrated, not scolded, night skiing was reborn. A huge congratulations and thank you to ski area staff and volunteers. Given the operational adjustments made this year, advanced bookings, grab and go, outdoor services, session access, you know, for a few hours at a time versus an all day lift ticket. And of course, vehicles being personal lodges, it'll be fascinating to see what changes stick and what go away. The opening tune of today's episode was Counting Crows and a melancholy vibe to the end of the season. But there is still much to talk about in Ski USA. So sit back, kick your feet up, relax and enjoy the experience of everything skiing and riding Powder Hounds. We begin with a New York times section inspired segment at home with a dash of humor topic. Your salads suck. Yeah. Those are the words uttered by my lovely wife who kind of shocked me the other day while making dinner. Now I suppose it may be the fact that almost 14 months into a pandemic, most home cooked meal creativity is well past peak, but still, The salad was the straw that broke the camel's back? Really? Like many, a salad is a regular accompaniment with dinner. The leafy greens rotate between lettuce, arugula, spinach, even romaine, when recalls deem it safe. (laughs) Toppers, they range from the traditional tomato, pepper, carrot, cucumber, to the more diverse, olives, beets, red onion, rotating cheeses, different croutons, seeds and dressings. The point being here, variety. Now sure, eating the same thing over and over again would kind of suck, but that's not what happened here. Now in days when the produce supply was short, I would occasionally cobble together salads with some odd toppings, you know, pickles, lentils, corn, kind of giving new life to the leftovers. As an example, leftover corn could lead a salad towards a Southwestern theme and flavor. Grilled chicken leftovers, combined with breakfast bacon leftovers, would surely lead towards a cob salad. Though not leafy, a chilled three bean salad you commonly see at a deli, was the result of some creative mix and matching with leftovers when produce supplies were short. All this is to say, going back to those harsh words, your salads suck, I disagree. Let's go back to that moment. After a slight pause, I responded, I don't appreciate your tone. Without missing a beat, my, w- my wife responded, I don't appreciate your salads. Now, a similar exchange occurred a couple nights ago while preparing dinner. My wife asked me, would you like angel hair or cavatelli pasta? I responded, uh, whatever, whatever you want. Her response, no, pick one. I responded, let's go with Cavatelli. Her response, no, I want angel hair. I responded, well, why did you bother to ask me? Her response, while looking away from me? Yeah, we'll have angel hair. This pandemic needs to end. Moving on to our next segment, tips up. That's right. Read, listen and watch recommendations. First up, an article in Ski record-setting Interlodge. Now, I chose this article since I read it on or around the four-year anniversary of my Little Cottonwood Canyon Powder Day, though it was no Interlodge. As the story goes, eight feet of snow in four days hit the area. So at 10.30 p.m. on a Monday night, Utah's Little Cottonwood Canyon went into Interlodge. If you're not familiar with the term... That's when the town of Alta prohibits outdoor travel of any kind due to high avalanche danger. Like, you literally can't leave the buildings at the ski area. (laughs) Of course, the Utah Department of Transportation closed State Route 210, the highway up the canyon, due to what they called historic avalanche activity. Now, the interlodge was lifted on Thursday at around 10 a.m., meaning the record for the longest interlodge had officially been broken. The previous longest interlodge was in February 2020, when the canyon was closed for 52 hours. As of Thursday morning, the shutdown had lasted 60 hours. And of course, that Thursday morning, what locals only know is a country club day, when the road up the canyon remain closed but the ski area can operate so you and maybe a few hundred other friends have eight feet of powder to yourselves that's pretty sweet need a listen recommendation check out outside podcast changing how you breathe could change your life it aired october 1st 2020 Now, without getting deep into the weeds of biology, the premise behind nose breathing is that, in general, it's healthier to breathe through your nose rather than your mouth. It's more efficient, uses less energy. The nose does a better job filtering particles than the mouth. Nasal hairs filter out dust, allergens, pollen, which helps prevent them from entering lungs. Your nose even warms and moisturizes the air you breathe in. This brings the air you inhale to body temperature making it easier for your lungs to use anyway so the point being is that nose breathing efficiency could actually add like time to uh, to your life (laughs) and i've actually tried to adopt it at least when exercising since the podcast covered that and the challenge behind it and yeah it's hard to breathe through your nose when you want to run fast or even uphill So, uh, but I'm gonna keep at it and we'll see how it goes since all I remember for years and years is sucking wind through my mouth, uh, trying to get through (laughs) a lot of runs. So we'll see how that goes, but check it out if you are interested in uh, trying to breathe through your nose. Need a watch recommendation? Check out the bunch. Is there time for matching socks? their video which has nothing to do with socks it's just really an insane freestyle street skiing video uh, usually impressive ski videos tend to be from remote peaks with a skier rider trying to outrun an avalanche following them down the mountain but this is really just an amazing collection of jumping off buildings insane rail slides some backcountry powder runs but Really just uh, stuff you just don't see often. So check it out if you need need a little wow moment. Moving on to our next segment, ski news of the week-ish trivia questions. This is a collection from February to April, 2021. Back in February, which seems like a lifetime ago, the Indy Pass added two final partner ski areas for the 2020-2021 winter season. Both are located in the Northeast. Name them. Number two. What ski area in Idaho unveiled a free year-round ski pass for kindergarten to 12th grade? Number three. A Delaware man tumbled nearly 1,000 feet down the southeast side of a well-known spring skiing area and had to be carried out by search and rescue. Where was it? Number four. What Montana Mountain just unveiled a new logo, and for bonus points, why was it controversial? Number five, what Kickstarter product of interest to skiers and riders with hilly backyards is now available to order for a cool $7,000? Number six, what Northeast ski resort took a page out of Big Brother's book and now offers a subscription season pass option? Number seven, what popular Colorado ski area announced they will sell 10% fewer season passes than this past winter season? Number eight, everyone probably heard the news, saw the headline, and read the articles. But for funsies, what Megapass reduced the price of their season pass offerings for next winter season? Number nine. Two New England skiers were the finalists in an uncommon annual skiing event held in Jackson, New Hampshire that lasted 60 hours. What was it? Number 10. Similarly, where and what is ski, shoe, or fat bike to the clouds? (laughs) And number 11, a bonus question, and a nod to an exciting UConn basketball season. What was the informal name of the ski slope that was located east of Horse Barn Hill, complete with two rope toes, a warming hut, and nighttime? All right, pencils down. Time to go through the answers. Number one. In February, the Indy Pass added two final partner ski areas for the 2020-2021 winter season. Both are located in the northeast. Name them. Answers, Saddleback in Rangeley, Maine. Yeah, Saddleback sat dormant for five years until roaring back to life this winter season. Also, Waterville Valley in New Hampshire. Yeah, the Indy Pass added ski areas about a handful throughout the season, and Doug Fish reported, I think a few weeks back, a 750% increase in pass sales year to year. Not really surprising given that there are now 63 resorts on the Indy Pass. You get two days at each for 126 days for the grand total price of $199. Now that was this past year's pricing and it will almost surely go up next year, but still, that's pretty good. Number two, what ski area in Idaho unveiled a free year-round ski pass for kindergarten to 12th graders? Answer, Tamarack. Yeah, the Students Kids Youth Pass, otherwise known as the Sky Pass, will provide free year-round Tamarack lift access to K-12 students in the school district, which is just a great way to encourage outdoor recreation as well as their commitment to getting good grades and being good students. Number three. A Delaware man tumbled nearly 1,000 feet down the southeast side of a well-known spring skiing area and had to be carried out by search and rescue. Where was it? Sadly, but not surprisingly, Tuckerman's Ravine, a 61-year-old man from Newark, Delaware, tumbled approximately 1,000 feet down the entire length of the popular skiing route known as Main Gully in the Gulf of Slides. A little bit of foreshadowing there. Apparently, the ski boot released from a binding before he made his first turn, causing him to fall the full length of the main gully. Looks like he's okay, at least from the last article about it. And yeah, just gotta check your gear. Uh, I don't, yeah. Number four, what Montana mountain just unveiled a new logo? And for bonus points, why was it controversial? The answer, Schweitzer Mountain. Yeah, the ski area dropped mountain resort from its name, writing that Schweitzer alone is much friendlier. The new logo, a green S, intentionally moves away from snow imagery and sort of, you know, conveying a all season destination sort of vibe. Yeah, the Schweitzer said its S logo with three balanced and symmetrical strokes reflects the physical influences on the resort, the peak, of the summit, the flowing terrain, and the lake below. Now, the controversy if you look at the green, sharp lettered S, it looks a little similar to that of the Seattle Kraken logo. But for all the controversy that may have stirred up online, it's a freaking lo- logo, people. Who cares? Just move on. And we're going to move on. Number five what kickstarter product of interest to skiers and riders with hilly backyards is now available to order for a cool seven thousand dollars answer the tow pro. yeah it's a rope tow so expensive that you with this disposable income of seven thousand dollars can install it in your hilly backyard Yeah, last fall apparently it was offered on Kickstarter for just under $6,000, a fraction of the cost of most systems. And yeah, the Topro apparently is in use in Vermont backyards, at ski resorts in Idaho, and even Japan. And the big benefit of the system is that it's mobile. It can be moved easily to give skiers a variety of experiences. And I'm interested to see how perhaps it could be applied in the backcountry. So yeah, if you have $7,000 just lying around, Get yourself a Topro. Number six, what Northeast Ski Resort took a page out of Big Brother's book and now offers a subscription season pass option? That would be Little Brother Pico to Big Brother Killington. Yeah, the Pico All-Season Pass debuted for $75 per month. Now the subscription pass is much more than the ski area's 449 season pass, just again for skiing or riding but the all-season pass includes unlimited biking, golf, adventure park access, scenic gondola rides, and a bunch of other perks. And sure, it's modeled after Killington's Beast 365 Pass, which is all those things mentioned, a bunch of other perks, as well as an Icon Base Pass. So this is an interesting perhaps trend to watch for, sort of the evolution of a subscription season pass option. Number seven what popular Colorado ski area announced they will sell 10% fewer season passes than this past winter season? That would be Arapahoe Basin. A Basin, the legend. Yeah, A Basin uh, apparently, according to staff, realized the importance of providing a quality product, and that means selling fewer passes. (laughs) So in addition to selling fewer passes, they will cap uh, the amount of day lift tickets available And once they sold out, that's it, you're not skiing A-Basin. Now they're not the only ski area, and they're very large and popular, that's doing this. Powder Mountain and Deer Valley in Utah are also embracing some form of limiting the number of lift tickets sold or season pass sold. Magic Mountain in Vermont has been doing a self-imposed daily sales ticket limit anyway to minimize crowds. And Sugar Bowl in California is actually—they're so popular that they're going to sell all their season passes in the 24-hour period. There's uh, so many people that buy them, and there's just uh, you know uh, not enough space to uh, ha- get, have everyone on the slope at the same time using them. So will that also be another trend? Sort of the not just caps on capacity, but caps on daily lift ticket sales as well as season pass sales. So, you know, if you miss that early bird purchase date, that's it, and uh, good luck trying to get on the mountain. Number eight, everyone probably heard the news, saw the headline, read the articles, but for funsies, what mega pass reduced the price of their season pass offerings for next winter season? Bale Resorts, yeah. They dropped pass prices 20% across the board pricing brings down uh, to 2015, 2016 levels when Epic Pass provided access to only 11 resorts compared to more than 70 resorts today. Just wowza. <laughs> I don't know how you don't buy one. Um, but yeah, it's, it's pretty remarkable and Icon is going to have some uh, work cut out to, to, uh, to prevent folks from perhaps jumping, jumping overboard. Number nine, two New England skiers were the finalists in an uncommon annual skiing event in Jackson, New Hampshire that lasted 60 hours. What was it? That would be the second annual Last Skier Standing Race, the first of a number of questions designed at extreme winter sports competitions. Yeah, so at 10 a.m. on Saturday, February 6th, Ben Eck and Jeremy Arnold joined 80 other athletes beginning to lap a 1,000 vertical foot course. So they would climb and descend the course once every hour until they couldn't do it anymore. So again, they did it for 60 hours. (laughs) Just remarkable and and wow. (laughs) Number 10, similarly, What and where is ski, shoe, or fat bike to the clouds? Well, also in New Hampshire, uh, but it takes place on the Mount Washington Auto Road. Yeah, you pick your division, uh, skiers, bikers, or snowshoers, and ascend the Mount Washington Auto Road, gaining 2,200 feet of elevation in the process. And nearby, also in New Hampshire, Tuckerman Inferno, Apparently it's a uh, pentathlon, where it's a, a mountain run, uh, a downhill ski uh, across uh, you know the different uh, section of the ravine, and you know New Hampshire's just got a really cool little uh, extreme winter sports uh, vibe going. So uh, even if you don't, if you're not up for doing it yourself, at some point perhaps checking it out as a member of the audience cheering squad uh, would be a lot of fun. And on to the bonus question, uh, I guess number eleven. A nod to an exciting, yet a little disappointing, UConn basketball season. What was the informal name of the ski slope that was located east of Horse Barn Hill, complete with two rope toes, a warming hut, and nighttime lights? The answer, Husky Hill. So I might have an expected answer. From 1967 to 1978, the University of Connecticut operated a ski slope that was free for students and $1 for members of the public. Although it didn't have a formal name, it was generally known as Husky Hill. Of course, budget cuts, along with gradually diminishing snowfall, spelled the end of the slope. Now, I may have skied Horse Barn Hill a few evenings while living in towers. Another little interesting fact, cafeteria trays make pretty good sleds. That's it for our Ski News of the Week is Trivia Questions. We will leave it there. Looks like it's four o'clock. Time to catch the last chair. Thank you for listening. Have a question, comment, or correction? Contact me on Twitter at PowderhoundSkis. You can also subscribe to the podcast at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcast Manager, Verbal, Spotify, and Stitcher. Just type Powderhounds Podcast. Until next time, see you on the slopes, Powderhounds. And I'm always the Dreams are like movies and memories are filled.